Welcome to the Wildlife Explorer, a podcast by Essex Wildlife Trust, where we aim to inspire you with our work to protect the wildlife and wild places of Essex and what you can do to help wildlife wherever you live. On today's show, we're going to be delving into the secret world of our nocturnal nature. While we're all tucked up in our beds, the day is just beginning for some of our best loved creatures. Snuffly hedgehogs scuttle around on little legs, badgers begin their nighttime quest for snacks, and bats swirl in the skies, hoovering up unsuspecting insects. But why do they keep such antisocial hours? And what do they get up to in the wee hours of the morning? It's all coming up on the show. Within the creeping shroud of darkness, a whole new world exists. Gone are the day-glow colours, the hustle and bustle of the human world, and all the sights and smells that go along with it. The darkness brings with it a stillness, a silence, a chance to hunker down in a cosy spot and reflect on the day. However, outside your window, there may be more going on than you realise as the night shift begins for several of our wild friends. It's intriguing to think of a life lived mainly in darkness. So why do some animals choose to live in this way? I recently went on a nighttime expedition to our Fingering Howick Nature Reserve where we have a special hide set up to watch badgers as they emerge from their set at dusk. It was an amazing experience to be able to see these large, stripy, bumbling creatures going about their routine, winding in and out of well-trodden paths, looking for food and interacting with one another. I would highly recommend it, as our knowledgeable volunteer Tom is there several nights a week and knows the badgers very well from observing them for many years. It was a privilege to be able to share in his knowledge and be an onlooker to a normally hidden world. Someone else with a passion for badgers is Francesca Chantry, one of our ambassadors here at the Trust. She regularly sets up nighttime camera traps to watch the activities of her local badgers and their behaviour can be both fascinating and complex. Here she is to tell us a bit more about their nighttime shenanigans. Frankie, I'm a wildlife biologist and wildlife presenter and I have to say there's a particular nocturnal creature that I have become very fond of after camera trapping them for the past year. It is the badger. They are Britain's largest land predator and one of our most recognisable species. They tend to come out around 5 or 6pm and are active until the early hours of the morning. They're unusual in the fact that they will live in groups, but they tend to go about their activities like foraging on their own. They will sometimes interact with each other though, particularly when mating with cubs or grooming each other. 
Now, they groom themselves too, which is a funny sight because they lay on their back, big belly in the air, grooming and scratching themselves. They also spend lots of time digging to find food and to clear out their sets. This is a bit of a badger superpower. Because they have sharp, long claws, they can actually dig quicker than two men with shovels. They will replace or refresh their bedding often, and they bring garlic into their sets. And we think these behaviours help to reduce the build-up of parasites like fleas. So it's actually very clever. One behaviour that is fascinating to watch is that they will gather up large piles of leaves for bedding with their two front paws and then scoot backwards till they reach their sets. So what special features do badgers have for nocturnal living? Well, badgers are fairly unusual for a nocturnal creature in that they have relatively small eyes, unlike most, which have big eyes to let more light in. We think this is because they do so much digging and spend time underground, so their big eyes would likely be a nuisance because they would be prone to getting dirt and stones flicked into them. So instead, they compensate with their other senses. Despite having small ears, which may help them squeeze through tight tunnels, they have good hearing and can hear quiet sounds. But their real sense is the smell. It is 700 to 800 times better than ours, so they can use this to sniff out food hidden underground and any danger approaching. They also use it to communicate. And I actually saw evidence of this when filming. You see, I was quite confused at first because you would see one badger come up to another and rub its bottom all over it. And they would also rub against each other bum to bum. And to be honest, I couldn't quite work out the purpose of this behaviour at first. But it turns out they have a scent gland in the base of their towel and they use it to scent mark each other so that members of the group smell similar and they can identify individuals. Individuals. They also use scent markings to give warning signals and messages like mating status. And they can pick up on these scents even if they were planted hours before. So where do badgers go in the daytime? During the day, and about 70% of the time in fact, badgers stay in their sets underground. These are impressive connected tunnels with up to 50 entrances. And within this they have separate chambers for sleeping, living and giving birth and rearing cubs. These tunnels can be hundreds of years old and passed down through generations. So let's talk a bit about camera trapping. First, you want to pick your area. I did it in a garden where they'd had badger sightings already. You can also use apps like iNaturalist as they give you an idea of where species are found. You can also look for signs of wildlife present like tunnels, droppings or footprints. I started by searching the area for sets. You can get a good idea of which ones are active from if they're clear from leaves because badgers tend to keep their sets nice and tidy. I confirmed they were in use by putting a camera trap outside and when doing this it's important not to leave it too close to the entrance because A, you don't want to get in the way of the badgers or alert them and B, because when you have the trap set too close you tend to miss out on all the action. You just see short snippets of them coming in or out and passing by. One of my favourite shots is having the trap set up on a sturdy tree branch overlooking the opening in the woodland so you have a bird's eye view and can see more of their behaviour. You want your trap away from waving vegetation and you want it stable so it won't get knocked over by curious animals or film shaky videos. Another good technique is to try and place it in bottlenecks so anywhere there's a smaller gap that lots of animals may use to pass through. Try to keep them off public paths if you can and remember you don't need to buy expensive traps, you can pick them up from about £30. 
Then just check them about once a week depending on battery life and make sure to tag the Wildlife Trust in any footage you get as we love to see them. That's all from me and why not have a go and see which species you can find. I always find it fascinating that such large creatures can remain so well hidden living amongst us. So it's great to be able to hear from someone who can tell us a bit more about what they get up to. So thank you, Francesca. Next up, we're going to hear from our self-proclaimed crazy bat lady, Katie Goldsborough, who is another of our ambassadors here at the Trust. It's always a joy to watch bats swooping and circling in the sky come dusk sometimes passing very close to your head. But why do they choose to fly at night? And what are they up to at this time of year? Let's find out. Hello everyone, my name is Katie Goldsborough and I am an ambassador for Essex Wildlife Trust, a role that I'm honoured to do, but you may also know me as the crazy bat lady from previous Wildlife Explorer podcasts. And you guessed it, I'm here again to talk to you about the absolute legends of the nocturnal world, bats. So we are peaking autumn here now in Essex with winter beckoning us in, which means hibernation prep is well undergo for our three hibernating groups of animals here in the UK. The hazel dormouse, hedgehogs and our beloved bats. So before they enter their longest sleep of the year, something that I totally wish that I could do, but sadly this is not a thing yet in the working world, but fingers crossed for the future, bats are out there busy finding love. That's right, it is mating season and just like all good Romeo and Juliet, they do this under the dramatic and romantic cover of night. And actually bats do most things under the cover of night because they are, of course, nocturnal. So you may be wondering, why is this? It's hard to see at night. How do they find food? How have they adapted to this life of darkness? And one of the main reasons theorised that bats are nocturnal is mainly to avoid predators, so to avoid being eaten. Also, being active at night, you can take advantage of all the nighttime flying insects that are about for your dinner, which leaves plenty of daytime flying insects for all the other creatures to enjoy. And also, if you think about it, daytime is usually filled up with so many other bird species flying and swooping about. And being active at night opens up a lot more aerospace for bats to use instead, without the risk of crossing bird territories or being at the mercy of a sparrowhawk's talons. Bats are highly adapted to the nightlife, especially when it comes to navigating in the darkness. So not only can they see pretty well, and yet that's right, says the old saying, blind as a bat, is actually a myth. They use their echolocation to manoeuvre around and find their prey. So bats echolocate by emitting a high frequency sound which pulses through their mouth or their nose and then they listen to the echo that comes back to them after the sound bounces off anything in the bat's surroundings. So with this echo, the bat can determine the size, the shape and even the texture of objects in its environment. Now that that is pretty cool. So as it's still mild outside, you may be able to spot a few remaining bats catching some supper before winter sets in and they snuggle down for their winter sleep. But I will leave you with one last fact to show you just how amazing bats are so you can dream of them all winter until you can see them again in the spring. So bats 
when they are flying, so when they're in exercise mode, their heart rate is around a thousand beats per minute. But when they are hibernating, in order to save their energy so they can wake again in spring, they can drop their heart rate down to just 20 beats per minute. How amazing is that? Amazing indeed. Thanks, Katie. Now let's bring a bit of daylight back to the show for a minute. Winter can leave us feeling as though we don't want to be outside as much. But after you've made the initial decision to pull your big coat and willies on and shut the front door behind you, you soon get accustomed to the chill and a brisk walk can leave you feeling exhilarated. And there's still plenty of things to spot. Try heading to one of our nature reserves such as Gunners Park and Shoebury Ness Ranges or Aberton Reservoir to spot winter waders in their thousands. Plus, it's lovely weather for ducks and now is the perfect time to spot these colourful characters at your local ponds, river, estuary or lake. Turn it into a bit of a game and head to our website to download a spotter sheet and see if you can tick them all off your list. We've created spotter sheets for every season and species, so if ducks are not your thing, there are plenty of other challenges to try. We also have lots of fun Christmas events coming up, from creative crafts to walks and talks, and maybe even a sneaky visit from Santa. You will find them all on our website. As we're talking about nocturnal nature today on the show, it makes sense to have a look at some of the nighttime calls you may hear while trying to get off to sleep. So first up in our What Three Birds feature today is one of my favourite birds, the nightjar. Rarely seen, these birds are masters of disguise with a bark-like pattern to their feathers, which means they perfectly blend in with the trees around them in young conifer forests or on heathland. They have flat heads and small bills, but surprisingly large eyes, giving them a very cute appearance. They're only here for a few months in the summer and can mostly be found in southern parts of the UK. At dusk, males can be seen displaying to females, flying around them, wing clapping and making their distinctive churring call. Let's have a listen. Next up is the corncrake. This secretive bird is a member of the rail family, related to coots and moorhens. The breeding call, a rasping rattle, is given mostly at night, sometimes for hours on end. You may have to go a bit further north to see one, as although they were once widespread, corncrakes have sadly declined dramatically in the UK 
and the breeding population is now restricted to a few key areas of Scotland. Unusually for a rail, they aren't found exclusively in wetlands, preferring to nest in meadows and hayfields. Corncrakes prefer areas with lots of tall plant cover, where they spend most of their time hidden from view. Often the only sign a corncrake is present is the strange call given from dusk till dawn. Lastly is a visitor most of us will be familiar with, the robin. The reason robins sing at night is up for debate. In cities it's thought that artificial lighting can trick the birds into thinking there's no end to the day, so this could be disrupting their internal body clock. In rural areas it's thought robins may be trying to attract a mate. The mating season for robins typically takes place between April and July. During this time, male robins stake out their territory and sing to let other males know where they claim their turf. At night, the robin's song carries much further than it would during the day, which can make it an effective way to assert dominance over a large area. And some scientists believe that robins sing simply because they enjoy it. And that's lucky for us because we enjoy it too. Their sweet song is an uplifting listen and their presence always a welcome sight. Now we're going to hear about another of our nocturnal neighbours, the hedgehog. We're working hard to try and make things better for our struggling hedgehogs. And you have been doing amazing work getting involved in our latest campaign, Nature Neighbours, trying to make our gardens more welcoming spaces for these little hogs. Bailey Tate, our campaigns officer, is here to tell us more about our little-legged friends and a bit more about the project. Small, spiky and smelly, hedgehogs are one of Britain's most loved mammals. They can be spotted almost everywhere, especially in parks and gardens, where bushes provide the perfect hedgehog hideaway. They particularly love hedgerows, which is where the name hedgehog comes from. As you might know, Hedgehogs are one of the very few mammals that truly hibernate over winter. Once they have spent the warmer months feasting upon yummy insects, they go house hunting for the perfect location to snuggle up for their post-feast nap. 
This could be in a specially built hedgehog house or in a big pile of leaves, logs or even bricks. Their nap lasts the entire winter, although they may move location once within this time. Then, in spring, they wake from their slumber and travel across the landscape to hoover up more earthworms and big crunchy beetles. Despite hedgehogs being unmistakable and familiar creatures to most, they are now vulnerable to extinction. Since the millennium, we've lost over half of our countryside's hedgehogs and a third from our towns and cities. But the magic of nature is that if we take action now, we can help wildlife to recover. And there is plenty that we can do for hedgehogs. We've launched the Nature Neighbours campaign, which helps you create space for wildlife neighbours in your garden. We're encouraging you to build a hedgehog house in your garden for hedgehogs that are either looking for their hibernation spot this autumn or who are moving house over winter. There's plenty of resources on our website of how to build a hedgehog house, including three different designs to choose from. We're also asking you to create a hedgehog hole in your fence, ready for when hungry hedgehogs emerge from hibernation. This is really simple. All you have to do is cut a CD size hole in the bottom of your fence or a 13 centimetre deep channel underneath your garden wall so that hedgehogs can squeeze through and search your garden for springtime snacks. You can then plot your garden on our Hedgehog Highway map on our website and pledge to ask your neighbour to do the same so that hedgehogs can roam freely across the landscape. We can all help hedgehogs get back on their feet by doing lots of little actions to keep their bellies full and their hoglets cosy and dry. Go to www.sxwt.org.uk forward slash nature hyphen neighbours to find out more about the campaign and how you can get involved. Thanks Bailey. Well, that's about it for today and that's about it for season two of the podcast as well. Today marks our 20th episode and we'd like to thank you for all your support and good wishes for the show. We've been on a real journey of discovery so far covering some fascinating wildlife topics from magical marine life to bug bonanzas and everything in between. I wonder what season three will have in store. Well, until then, stay safe, stay wild, and keep up the great work looking out for a wonderful world.